0: Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies we can live claritin clear with claritin d designed for serious allergy sufferers claritin d has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better this double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing A runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin-D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin-D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies What is good, Human Hope Familial? Welcome back to another episode coming to you live from Fort Smith, Montana. That's right. I'm actually looking at one of the most beautiful sunsets I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm at a place called Refuge where I'm spending four days with a bunch of friends fly fishing. Now, if you were around last year or around this time in life, you do know that this is exactly where I was, where I came fly fishing with a bunch of dudes. And it was, uh, what, mid-October when I came last year? And yes, 16 out of 16 of us ended up with COVID. Every single one of us left this place sick with COVID. I don't know if you guys remember, but I'm sure I've got a highlight on my Instagram somewhere. It was horrible. Not only was it horrible, because it was my trip that I invited everybody, and I basically was a super spreader. It was my fault. Uh, One of my friends almost died, was in the hospital. Lots of people almost went to the hospital. It was a disaster. So, leave it not, I mean, I'll just go and say, what's the word I'm looking for? Leave it to be said? What what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that um, I was terrified of coming back back like oh, there's like i'm i used to struggle with health anxiety massively um and i've pretty much gotten over it but this trip this trip did something to my health anxiety it brought things back up and yeah you know i mean here i am listen i'm fully vaccinated i've had covid um but something about getting on the plane and flying to billings montana and being in the same room i was in last year when i was like you I don't, know i don't feel very good Um, it was the second day of the trip last year when one of my friends, Andrew, walked up to me and he's like, Hey man, I can't taste or smell anything. And that's when I was like, Oh crap. Sure enough, uh, we all ended up with COVID. Thank the Lord. We all made it through. Um, especially Ty Bean, who was in the hospital for weeks and weeks because of that. So Ty, I love you. Grateful you're okay, but I'm back here fly fishing and hopefully not going to, uh, this isn't my trip, but not going to leave as a super spreader. Um, Okay, well, in, enough of my health anxiety. Let's get to this week's episode. I, I want to leave as much time as possible for the episode because it is over an hour. And, you know, most of my conversations aren't over an hour. But this one, we are bringing back the queen herself, the woman who launched the Human Hope podcast with her governor-ness. It is the one, the only Sharon McMahon is on today's episode. And Sharon, you know, I mean, we were friends when, you know, 35 weeks ago, um, 36, 37 weeks ago, this is episode 37, when I launched the podcast. Well, we were good friends, you know, she, you know, but we've become even closer friends now. And I, I just want to let you guys know that, The Sharon that you guys see every single day on Instagram, the Sharon on her stories, the Sharon that is filled with kindness and empathy, yet strong um, and very opinionated, yet leaving room for empathy and grace is the exact same Sharon behind the scenes. It's the exact same Sharon that um, sends me her snarky, sassy, and steady uh, voice memos. Um, it is the Sharon who just looks at the world through the lens that we all need to look through the lens of the world through. And let me tell you, today's conversation was—I, um, I, I, it's very fascinating. First of all, because you know Sharon just she just knows everything, and if she doesn't know everything, she finds out the truth about everything. Um, and it is actually Native American History Month in. Uh, today this is November when this is coming out uh, here in the United States of America. And we start the show by me asking her um, why, why is it important that we have this month? And then we go into maybe the, one of the most fascinating historical conversations I've ever had. I don't have a lot of conversations about history, so why not have it with Sharon, where, where we talk about just the plight of Native Americans, indigenous people in this country, why it's so important that we honor them. And what we need to do uh, to maybe accelerate some healing uh, in their lives. Now, this is this goes without saying. Um, this is a black man and a white woman having a conversation uh, about our thoughts on how we can help um, indigenous people in this country. Let it be known that I have coming up on the podcast an actual indigenous person here, living here in America that. Uh, is also another grace-filled, just incredible human being that I love so much on an upcoming podcast as well. So I wanted to make sure that that uh, is known. Uh, But also, you know, Sharon just knows a lot about history and a lot about um, the American government and how the government created a system that honestly has placed Native Americans and indigenous people in this country in a place where they, again, are oppressed. And how is it we can work together as America to bring them that oppression off of their shoulders? Uh, So I just really appreciate all of Sharon's insight. Uh, And yes, we get into Andrew Jackson. If you guys don't know about Sharon's uh, feelings for Andrew Jackson, you will find out fairly soon. Friends, um, I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation with my great friend and your favorite government teacher, Sharon McMahon. Okay, Human Hope Familia, we have back on episode 30-something, because I'm not quite sure which one this one is going to be numbered, but she was the first. Sharon McMahon, you were the very first guest on the Human Hope Podcast, Mm. and
1: you're back! You're back! Yay! Thank you for having me.
0: I want to talk to you about America, first of all. Is that okay? Can we talk about America? Yeah. You seem to be- I love America. You love America? That's good. It's one of my
1: favorite topics. Sweet, it's 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 a
0: it's 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 a topic that you're very good at talking about every single day on your Instagram. Uh, So for 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 maybe some of my listeners, the two percent that don't know who Cher McMahon (laughs) is, why don't you just give us a little intro as to who you are, mi amiga?
1: Mm, Thank you. Well, I run a nonpartisan, fact-based Instagram account called Sharon Says So, and I answer a lot of government questions, a lot of questions about, you know, leadership, history of the United States. Um, and I also have a podcast called Sharon Says So. It is a it is a top one tenth of one percent podcast. I love it. I ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I'm in. I I mean, I'll
0: I'll just stop there. No, you don't have to just stop there. You don't have to just stop. You, you you live you live in the the great state of. I live in the great state of Minnesota.
1: Yes, and uh, we just moved to the country. I have four kids. I have three dogs. Wow! Uh, my neighbor has a rooster. Your neighbor. You're, so you're, that's
0: my claim to fame now. That is your claim to fame now. Uh lots of people <laughs> love love listening to you every single day. You know, you one of the things I appreciate about Sharon and what you do is. You give opportunity to for everybody and anybody to ask a question. And when you and when you, uh, you put up a little question box every day, and I love how you do it. You Mm say, How, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is what you say, How can I help? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, why is it, why is that the question that you decide, uh, to put up there every single day? What is it about the the way you ask that that gives you access to people's questions? Mm.
1: I think instead of people, it helps people know that I am not there to make fun of the mm. fact that you don't know something.
0: That's so I'm not good. there to
1: shame you for not knowing something. My goal is to help. My goal is to help you understand something better instead of uh, using it as a jumping off point to mock somebody.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's always, it's, it just feels, feels so good. You, the other day I put something in your question box, um, mm-hmm that I was having trouble with because my son was pr- pronouncing a planet differently than the way I was pronouncing a planet <laughs> mm-hmm. and it became mm-hmm. a thing on my insta story and suddenly I I was I was led on to the fact that at some point in the last decade or so I don't know when but public school teachers stopped pronouncing it uranus and started pronouncing it i don't know uranus maybe uranus uh-huh. uranus and uh-huh. and my question was was this some sort of nasa conspiracy theory like are they trying to <laughs> cut cut the uranus jokes out D- sharon do you have any thoughts on this
1: <laughs> i don't believe it is a nasa conspiracy theory
0: oh you don't you
1: I think NASA has other things to do. <laughs> NASA doesn't care about your Uranus <laughs> jokes. In fact, NASA probably makes a bunch probably. of their own jokes. You know what probably. I mean? Um, they probably have all those kind of nerd jokes that they I have to so. make.
0: I think so. Yeah. So you're <laughs> you a are teacher. Correct. Yeah, yeah I they're know. both correct. That Which is a problem to me because I don't feel like they should both be correct. Like, <laughs> isn't that like... What what does that even mean? Like, so is a soccer ball a football and suddenly someone can just say they're both soccer balls and that's just, who made that decision that they're both correct? <laughs> who, who, Sharon, tell me that. I'm getting passionate. Who, who's in charge of Webster's dictionary? Who's in charge of the dictionary that gets to make those decisions?
1: There is actually a board of people who oversee the dictionary. What? And as American vernacular changes, okay, they update the dictionary. So it's kind of like, you know, if you watch movies from the 1940s, they talk about people who were having a good time. Like, oh, my goodness, we're going to have just a gay old time. Right. And that meant like a fantastic, wonderful time. Gay means something different today. Right. So Uh vernacular changes, language changes over time all languages change over time and the changing of languages is not it's not a negative it just evolves with with the society so there's a million examples of that where words have come to mean something different in fact (laughs) um here's a couple of dictionary facts for you
0: oh if you want please bring them please please bring
1: them um (laughs) so no webster the or originator of the big giant dictionaries that people used to have, you know, like yeah. the, what we now refer to as the Merriam Webster dictionary. And you go yes. online, you go to Merriam Webster.com or MW.com. He eventually, when he died, his dictionary, which was the best selling dictionary of all time was uh-huh. sold to the Mar- to brothers. Whose last name was Merriam. And then they continued publishing his dictionary. He is the reason that a lot of that American English has been standardized. We have a standardized spelling of American English. Um, he's the reason we don't use spell things. O-U-R. He's the reason we don't spell check like C H E Q U E.
0: Really? Uh, he took
1: a lot of the British spellings and standardized them and made them easier to spell What he viewed as easier to spell. Yes. And Webster actually wrote his own version of the Bible
0: what?
1: Yes, he wrote his own version of the Bible. Wow. Not a new translation, not a translation from the original languages. So not right. from ancient Hebrew okay. and Greek, not from Aramaic. He took the essentially the King James translation of the Bible. Okay. And fixed the grammatical errors. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is the he, most he was, this is the most dictionary writer story I've ever heard.
1: Yep, fixed the grammatical errors and also changed some of the words to be updated to American vernacular. So, one example is when you were talking about like the ancient city of Jericho. Yes. The original version said something to the effect of it had a fence around it. And American um, the Americas yep. of two Americans, a fence was like a thing with wooden posts that kept your sheep in. <laughs> right. Totally, Right. That meant something completely different than yes. an ancient walled city. And so his thinking was, If you want Americans to truly understand what was being communicated, you need to update the language so that it is in the current vernacular. So we're not using the word fence when we mean super tall stone walls. Oh. Another another example that he uh, changed in his version of the Bible was when he was talking about the geography of the Bible. First of all, can you imagine what an incredible undertaking it is to uh, rewrite, no. to update the grammar in the Bible? In the Bible, uh, <laughs> the whole Bible. Um, there, we're talking about some of the geographical terms. They used the word coast when they really meant to Americans. What they meant was border.
0: Oh. Americans
1: viewed the word coast as a border with the ocean. Yes, right? totally. Uh, the ocean coast. In fact, we don't even really use the word coast when we refer to, you know, like a pond or a lake or a river, right? We don't use coast of a river. Right. We use a bank of the river. Bank, bank um, yes. Yes. So we were specifically refer to coast uh, in terms of large bodies of water. Like you maybe would say the coast of Lake Superior because it's large, but small bodies yeah. of water, we don't use the word coast. And so right. he his thinking was, if you want people to understand what they meant, you shouldn't use coast. You should use border because border Un- is what Americans would understand it as.
0: Now, are you telling me that like, is is this a translation of the Bible that is out there? So like, is it the Webster yeah, yeah. translation? The Webster Bible. The it's Webster online. Bible, yeah, it's online. I'm I'm looking it up right now. Look, this is <laughs> a ama- sure enough Noah Webster's 1833 limited revision of the King James version. Sharon, who knew?
1: <laughs> th- th- Isn't that interesting? No,
0: I- that that well, it's fascinating because you know you just you you just think of of Webster as the dictionary guy. Yeah, but. But of course, like, why would the dictionary guy not be thinking about words? And if he's into the Bible, be thinking, oh, I got to I got to fix this stuff so that when other people read it, they know that it's it's a bank, not a coast or whatever.
1: Right. A border, not a coast. They mean different things. Yeah. And so it wasn't that he felt he was some I mean, he did teach himself over a dozen languages in order to write the dictionary because (laughs) English is a, you know, an amalgamation of many Yes. other languages and then yes. we also have our own words that we've invented. It's a complicated language. Uh-huh. Um, but so no, he did not set out to like retranslate the Bible. He right. He really like many Christians of his era he was he was a um, more of like a Calvinist and a Puritan and yes. he believed in that King James translation yep. of the Bible that that was sort of a venerated translation. but he just wanted to help people under in America understand it better. Yes. That was his goal. Wow.
0: wow. Round of applause for that fact that I had <laughs> no idea we were even going to get to today. Um, no. I, I, I love that. I love that. Hey there. right, now I'm going to be straight with you guys. I've never been a great brusher of teeth. Okay, my my teeth have never looked like Sharon McMahon's teeth. Sharon's got some white, pearly teeth. I I just, I've, I've never gotten my teeth to that place because I'm lazy. I don't brush them enough. Until it is, I found Quip. Quip is the world's smartest toothbrush. That's right. This electric toothbrush is loved by over 7 million mouths. Mine included. I love Quip. Why? Because it's turned into a game. Quip will send my smartphone data on how much I'm brushing my teeth and how good I'm brushing my teeth. And also, what Quip does is it actually for... Every time I brush my teeth, it gives me points. And those points, I'm slowly but surely earning myself like things like a Target gift card, free refills of products, and so much more. I'm going to get money for brushing my teeth? I'm in. I'm all into the gamified part of this. Guys, I want to let you guys know something. I honestly have been brushing my teeth like a champion because of Quip and all the things. And I think that you need to hop on the Quip bandwagon with me. If you go to getquip.com slash humanhope, right now you're going to get your first free refill. Okay, so that's your first refill free at getquip.com slash human hope. That dot com slash human hope. Quip, the good habits company. So listen, Sharon, it is when, when this podcast is coming out, it is the month of November um, 2021. And the month of November... Uh, 2020 2021 is something. Uh, it's it's a, a heritage month in America that hasn't been celebrated as a heritage month for very long. Um, <laughs> when I was doing a little bit of research, because I found out that this month is Native American Heritage Month in America, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I I thought to myself, wow, like why have I never heard of this? Well, I'd not heard of it because it was actually President Trump. I think it was like two years ago that. I don't know. Does a president declare it? Like, is is this what uh, how, how does sure how, how does how does it happen? Like, do, how does a month become a national month? First of all, tell tell us how that happens. What, what's that process look like?
1: Yeah, a, a president could write a proclamation for it, okay. or issue an executive order for it, or it could go through Congress. You know, like okay. Congress actually recently made Juneteenth a national holiday. Yep. And yep. so Congress can certainly do that. And they have done things like that in the past, but a president can do it as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's good. So I'm reading that. And it's only been two years now that we've celebrated Native American Heritage Month. And I, I I, I have a, and I feel like everybody does, especially in 2021, has a complicated relationship with looking at the past of America. More complicated maybe mm. than than. Um, than it was a decade ago or even five years ago. Not that it wasn't complicated. We just weren't looking necessarily at the complications. Uh, mm-hmm. But now here we sit at Native American History Month. And um, as we have come through, gosh, 2020 was a year that everybody got to see the complications that uh, mm-hmm. are are living on the inside of of America when it comes to race when it comes to heritage when it comes to how we view other people and how this country affects other people here we sit at Native American Heritage Month and I honestly believe when I hear things like America was founded uh, in uh, was it 1776 can you can you help mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. That yeah
1: 1776
0: um that that yes the version of America, um, that maybe we are trying to get to was maybe that idea was founded in 1776 but there were a lot of people living on this land before 1776 sure. and they you know we we would call them I'm, I'm assuming Native Americans because they were they were native to where we are mm-hmm. why is it important do you believe that we finally have um, a month to begin a conversation about the importance of Native American culture in America.
1: Hmm. I mean, Native Americans were systematically excluded Hmm. from American society until the 1920s. They could not vote in the United States. They were not considered full citizens of the united states until the 1920s and the constitution specifically excluded them specifically had a carve out excluding what they refer to as indians so america obviously has a very complicated racial history to begin with Mm -hmm. and it has a very complicated relationship with the indigenous people of North America. There's just no question about that. We, we specifically sought to assimilate them to white European culture, hmm. specifically did not want them to have their own cultures anymore, their own customs, their own languages. And we removed their children from their homes and sent them to boarding schools where they could be assimilated, they could be taught Christianity, they could be dressed as um Europeans they could learn to speak english the the goal was a systematic extermination of their indigenous cultures so i mean that is that is like a one minute summary of yeah. where the starting place was right. and the idea that native americans have not been considered citizens of this country yeah. Um, they've only been citizens of this country for under 100 years.
0: Mind blowing. It really is. That that really is. That's, you know, that that's mind blowing. Um, let's go. I I think this is very helpful. So let's go to where, you know, I'm, I'm just going back to the eighties and nineties when I was in, was out when I was in school and I was learning about, um, Native Americans and I'm learning about, okay, okay, I don't remember anything to be honest with you from American history when I was in high school. Okay. So (laughs) uh, all I learned about American history now is from Sharon's Instagram account. Um, But, but talk to me about uh, reservations. Talk to me about the history Mm -hmm. of uh, Native American reservations. Cause even today, if I drive through Montana or New Mexico, Mm -hmm. I will see a sign that says you are entering a whatever, uh, reservation, whatever the, Mm -hmm. the Native American people that live there. Um, and I think to a lot of basic Americans that aren't paying attention, they're like, oh, this is where the casino is. This is where, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, maybe there's some different laws here. I mean, I don't know. I think, I think a lot of people aren't very sure as to what Native American reservations are, first of all, and also the purpose that they, um, they served, maybe in the past so maybe this is a three part question what what is an american reservation what purpose did they serve in their creation and maybe is that purpose do you believe and this is this is going to be an opinion piece at the end uh, is that purpose still being served now
1: hmm. well again as part of america's very complicated past with yes. the indigenous tribes of north america the the goal was always this sort of ever expanding thirst for territory in the United States, always the, you know, like this is really fertile land. We'd like to live here. Yeah. Uh, And then it (laughs) generally turned into some kind of a fight. Perhaps sometimes it turned into a treaty where, uh, where a native American tribe would grant people access to their, to that land, or you guys can have this. We'll have this over here. We'll sign this treaty. Now, America also has a very complicated and checkered past with honoring those treaties. There are mm. a lot of treaties that we chose not to honor, and starting in the 1820s, 1830s, we our desire to expand territory, especially in the southeastern United States, uh-huh. uh, in areas like Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. We wanted more and more of that land. That wanted that land to grow plantations yes right we wanted that agricultural land so that we could take the people of other races that we were enslaving <laughs> right. and and have them work on that land for free right, right? so right. that we could we could enrich ourselves yes, yes. i mean that's just yeah. to put it bluntly, just put it bluntly it.
0: again again we're, we're just we're just stating facts here
1: <laughs> that's right so andrew jackson for example um was a was a rev first of all i've you know If you followed me for a while, you know that I have feelings about Andrew Jackson. (laughs) Um, He was was sort of very, he had a poor upbringing. And that was unlike a lot of our other early leaders who were men of means. Mm. They were men of means. And Andrew Jackson was more of a self-made man. He was... Uh, taught himself the law, you know, apprentice taught himself the law, made himself rich. He did not, he was not one of those people who grew up having inherited slaves from his father. Like George Washington inherited slaves from his father at a young age. His father died when he was young and he inherited slaves as a teenager. Andrew Jackson did not have any of that. He made himself rich and then decided to purchase slaves He grew up in the Carolinas, bought slaves there, moved to Tennessee. Eventually, he owned over 150 slaves. Okay. One of the ways that Andrew Jackson made himself famous Uh is by being a war general. And a lot of the wars that he fought were individual skirmishes with various Native American tribes. So people who elected Andrew Jackson president already knew his history as being a man who was really good at winning those battles against the native Americans. They are like, he had already developed that reputation. Um, We've had other presidents who were very well-known military generals. And a lot of the wars they were fighting were against native American tribes. Wow. So Andrew Jackson didn't take much convincing, For him to be like, yeah, let's go ahead and sign that uh, act that Congress just passed that I asked them to pass (laughs) called the Indian Removal Act. Let's go ahead and sign that Indian Removal Act. And what that's going to do is tell all of the predominantly five native tribes that existed in the southeastern United States, um, y'all need to leave. Y'all got to get out of here and you're going to need to go to Indian country. Huh. And huh. Indian country was a designation of places they were allowed to go west of the Mississippi River. And a lot of it is in what is in modern-day Oklahoma. Really? Modern-day Oklahoma, Kansas, etc. Um so you you do see have you noticed that the American West has a lot more of that reservation, a lot more reservation than the American East does. And this is directly related to this Indian Removal Act, moving Native tribes out of the land that the white Europeans wanted and into the West where it was like, who lives out there? Nobody. (laughs) Have at it, guys. Have fun. (laughs) Right. Have fun living out there. So Andrew Jackson was like, fine, we will forcibly remove you if you're not willing to go on your own. So you probably have heard of the Trail of Tears. I, I you remember. Probably heard, yeah, you probably learned about that in yeah, fifth grade or fifth sixth grade. grade. The Trail yeah. of Tears, in which uh, Native tribes were forced to leave their homes in the Southeast United States and walk, you know, over a thousand miles to their new, the new places they were allowed to live, which were in Indian country west of the Mississippi. And
0: what, years, what year was this? Like 1830s. Okay. 1830
1: is when the Indian Removal Act and it was signed and it wasn't um, like everybody was like, well, time to go. Let's, let's get up out of here. You know, like <laughs> it wasn't like they were pleased about it and it wasn't yeah. like they immediately began packing up their things. Uh-huh. This entire process took over a decade to wow. remove all of the Native Americans from, you know, the South. Were, were, the were there, States. were there,
0: was there fighting to get them out? Like,
1: oh yes. Oh, okay. absolutely. Absolutely, there were a lot of a lot of battles in which they, people were like, "This is our ancestral homeland. This wow. this land itself is very important to us. Mm-hmm. The land is important." It's not just that this is where we've always lived. It's that they have, um, you know, a spiritual religious connection to the land itself. So it was not something where people were just like, sure, no problem. We'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and leave. I guess we lost.
0: Yeah. Right. It was not something
1: that people were particularly pleased about. So the Trail of Tears really was a death march in which people were forced to walk a thousand miles, often in very brutal weather conditions with little to eat with, you know, the inability to even nourish themselves in the manner that they were accustomed to. Because if sure. you're, if you're living in Georgia, you have your food sources, you know, how, where to hunt, a how to hunt, yeah. what kind of animals, fishing, etc. cetera. Um, when you're just being forced to walk across what is now America, your ability to feed yourself is very diminished. So, uh, and then of course, let's add in another layer, which is disease. <laughs> Yes, disease for what you don't have any immunity to, because you're being exposed to pathogens that your immune system doesn't recognize.
0: Right. Right.
1: So right. I'm, this is a very long answer, but no, they, no, th- this, is, this is sum it
0: up. This, no, no, no. I like, I lock like long answers because, because again, this is, I I'm like, Oh, trail of tears. Like, yeah, I remember there was a song about that. And maybe I watched a cartoon about that in fifth grade, but I, I I'm learning stuff right now. Like I did, I didn't realize. So this was Andrew Jackson, that yes, that, that your your favorite president, Andrew Jackson. My favorite, that, my favorite,
1: that, least favorite, <laughs> your
0: favorite, least favorite president. Okay, so, <laughs> my favorite, least favorite Okay, so my favorite least president. So so they're on their way and he has designated land like officially, like like uh Indian country. Indian country. Indian that,
1: country. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, okay. And that's yeah. where they're heading. Uh
1: that's where they're heading. Um, in fact. The designation of Indian country is still very, very important in Oklahoma. The Supreme Court just decided within the last couple of years a case about the term Indian country, and really? I, I can get into that if that interests you. But that that, that's, a different, that's a slightly different—that's a slightly different uh, okay. Okay. issue. Yeah. But eventually, this reservation system was created as a way to consolidate. Native groups into one area um, and to many of the reservations are on land that other people didn't want. It wasn't like, hey, guys, we got a thousand acres of primo farmland for here's you some fertile here. soil. Yes, here's some fertile soil that's definitely not rocky or swampy. <laughs> and I'm sure you will flourish in this location. Um, it was really about consolidating tribal power so that it was easier. They were easier to control and putting them in places that other people did not want. And so it is a a checkered history of creating agreements with various tribes and creating carve-outs of land where, fine, you can have this land, and you can live here, and those reservation systems still exist today. And it does not mean, but today, by the way, it doesn't mean that Native Americans can't live off the reservation. They absolutely can. Yeah. Um, And the reservations do to many um, Native Americans, they serve an important purpose. Now, mm-hmm. they serve a very important purpose. Okay, which what's, what, what purpose is that? A connection to their history, a connection to their people, a connection to a shared common language, a shared culture, a culture that was uh, that people sought to systematically erase. Mm. It doesn't mean that the land itself or the system that created the reservation system is and in, has inherent value to the groups, uh-huh. but. The idea that we can have this common culture here in this one place—we can all speak, um, we can all speak Ojibwe, or we yeah. can all speak—you know—our common language. Um, we have concerns and and issues that are unique to us, mm-hmm. and there are na- Native groups make up such a small percentage of the United States now that there is value to some in having that location that sure. is where we can all share that together yeah so um additionally reservations are considered sovereign nations within the united states and okay, they what, are what, what allowed what is to that, have
0: what does that mean what what, what is sovereign nation I well, i don't understand what does that mean
1: so it is it's a group that is a a location that is allowed to make many of its own rules there are some things that are federal laws that everybody in the united states have to follow but if you think about how you know like the state of tennessee might have slightly different laws than the state of utah does right right Uh, those are sovereign areas and that they can make rules about their own wait so do i I live in a sovereign nation
0: of tennessee (laughs)
1: No, no. You live in a state. You live in a state. But it's sort of the same idea that certain regions are allowed to make rules for themselves. There are some things that apply to everybody. But these sovereign nations of these Native American tribes have their own system of governing. They have their own school systems. They have their own economic systems. They have their own healthcare systems. And so one of those things, when you're referencing back to the casino thing, one of those industries that is prevalent in some regions of uh, on native american reservations is uh-huh. um, gambling. Huh. it's lucrative it's lucrative yeah. and it's not allowed in a lot of other places right like we all think about where can you gamble you can gamble in las vegas you can gamble in atlantic city you know like the legal yeah. gambling is not especially prevalent in the united states most municipalities have rules against it And so this is a place that they, uh, because they can make their own rules and this is a way to raise revenue to, to be able to provide for their communities. That is one of the reasons you see um, those kind of um, that kind of industry occur on reservations in the United States.
0: Yeah, no, that's Mm -hmm. fascinating. This is so good. So then take us here. Then what, what, would you say, and, and I don't know if if there are, I, I mean, maybe this goes back to what you said, the Supreme Court was ruling about something in Oklahoma or some court was ruling about mm-hmm. something in Oklahoma. What What would you say w- would be problems um, that that maybe even Native Americans are running into uh, w- within reservations or, because I, I can't imagine that the system that was set up in 1830 or whenever that was, or tribal lands in Indian country in 2021 is flowing at super smooth levels with the rest of everything else that's happening in the government in America. And uh, are there, are there issues that Native Americans are running into with their reservations? Uh, Is this something that maybe the, uh, you were talking about the court case and the ruling that's happening or that happened in Oklahoma. Take us into what, what it looks like and maybe some issues that are happening right now
1: hmm. Well, I also want to be clear that I'm not yes. speaking as a Native American. I am speaking as a white woman who understands about U.S. history and yes. understands things related to constitutional law. So I do want to make that very clear that very, I'm not clear. speaking, speaking as an authority, as a person who has, has experienced this firsthand. But it is very true that one of the biggest challenges that Native American reservations have been dealing with is related to poverty. Mm-hmm. And then when you have um, issues with poverty, many systemic issues flow yeah. from poverty, right? So systemic issues like drug abuse, um, educational, uh, lack of educational attainment, things along those lines that stem from a system of poverty. Mm-hmm. So that is, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges is poverty Yeah. yeah. Uh, in relationship to the Supreme Court case. It is uh, a very, actually a really big deal, um, the case is called the. It's often referred to in legal circles as the McGirt case. McGirt. and McGirt, and it is related to the fact that a very large percentage of Oklahoma is still legally Indian country, huh. based on treaties that were signed with Native tribes at the time. So it is still has that legal designation. Of Indian country that has never been removed. And so the net effect, without going into the entire history of the Uh backstory of the case, the net effect is that Native tribes, if you are a Native American living in Indian country, which is actually a very big percentage of Oklahoma.
0: Oh, because Indian country is not the same as an Indian reservation.
1: No, no. Indian country is just like this It's not a reservation. It was a designation that was made by Andrew Jackson in 1830.
0: Got it. Like you can move to Indian
1: country. Yeah. 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 Move to Indian country. Um, (laughs) So if you are a Native American living in Indian country in most of Oklahoma and you commit a sort of a low level crime, let's say you are convicted of or you're charged with some kind of drug crime. Or you know you have some kind of speeding ticket, etc. The appropriate venue for that is the tribal justice system. Huh. That the actual like uh, Tulsa police department. If you are a Native American charged with a, a more minor crime in that area, you are not allowed to be prosecuted in the mainstream state of Oklahoma um, justice system because of the way Indian country, that designation was created. And so what that meant is a huge, a transfer of a huge number of cases from the traditional state and city legal system to the, to the, um, to the native legal system. And of course this doesn't apply to, um, Europeans or non-native people living on, living in that area. It applies only to native people living in that area. Um, and so that created in some ways, um, a lot of challenges related to how do we actually go about doing this? And sometimes police are like, so I'm supposed to ascertain whether or not somebody is native Every single with every single action or every single interaction I have. And if they are native, then I'm supposed to do what, you know, like it just it's a matter of retraining in terms of how the system is going to work. Um, So that was a very that was actually represented a really big change in the way the system was working. And the Supreme Court was like, this is how the system should be working. And you have it working this way and that the way you have it working is wrong.
0: Wow. And you need
1: to make it work appropriately.
0: And so did that, when was that ruling?
1: It was in 2020.
0: Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And so, 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 so ha, what was that ruling? I mean, has there been shifts in, in laws and in structures because of that ruling? Like, has that happened?
1: It, it, it has. Absolutely. And wow. it's not, it, you know, like everybody was like, listen, this is not going to be going to be an overnight thing. Sure. Like it's going to take us some time to get retrained and it's going to take the native legal system time to get up to speed Yeah, to like get this big influx of cases that they are supposed to adjudicate and, you know, track down all the information, transfer the information. But yes, it absolutely has. So and it, that is because oh, I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, 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 no. That is because go keep going. I remember my question because
1: we have we have a very important principle in the United States, which is the rule of law, Mm. the important principle that everyone must follow the laws, even the leaders must follow the laws. And when a court orders you to do something, it is your job to do that thing, even if you don't agree with it. Andrew Jackson, on the other hand, (laughs) clearly did not believe in the rule of law because the Supreme Court related going back to a Supreme Court case. Supreme court ruled in Georgia that, um, you know, some of what was happening, like there were non-native people living on native lands and blah, they wanted them out and blah, you know, like, again, I won't go, go into the entire story, but ultimately the Supreme court ruled against Andrew Jackson Okay. and said that what's happening what, you're, what this current situation is not okay. He completely ignored them a hundred percent, ignored them and was like, I am not going to do what you say. Just a, an absolute flouting of the rule of law. An absolute flouting. Like Thomas Jefferson would be rolling in his grave, yeah. if he knew that a U.S. president was like, "I am not going to listen to you, Supreme Court." Wow. Too bad for you. Too bad. Would roll in his grave. Wow. So that's just another reason that I am not yeah. BFFs with Andrew Jackson. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: the rule of law is yeah. it is impossible to overstate how important that is yeah. in a, in a democracy,
0: in a democracy. Yes, no, absolutely. I'm mm-hmm. um, speaking of the rule of law. I, I, I do have a question about, uh, when you talk about the, um, the Native American system of that, they, there, there was, there's some system that they use. Okay. Is, is that judicial I mean system. In judicial system is, I mean, do they have like their own courthouse? Like, is there like, mm-hmm. like like, this is, in my head, yeah. I'm, my mind's kind of being blown. Like, they've got their own place that you go, and there's yeah. their own systems and structures. Yes. Really? Yep.
1: Yes, wow. 100%. They have their own judges that huh. are Native. They have their yeah. own, you know, um, if you have a a courthouse, they have their own, you know, like, they may. there's fewer of them, clearly, sure. but yeah. they have their own their own parole officers. They have in some cases, they have their own jails in some cases. Um, And again, these are lower level crimes. These are not capital crimes that are, um, you know, like big crimes, Yeah. but yes, they do have their own uh, judicial system, their own legal system that is in many ways based on um, sort of a more native American perspective on what Mm. it looks like to make restitution or what it looks like to, um, to violate the rules of the community. Yeah. Uh, it, it, and again, I am not an expert sure, in, yes. you know, coming from inside that system, yeah. but it is, it is, does look different in some cases huh. than sort of the, you know, cut and paste judicial system that ha that exists within the United States.
0: All right. Familia talk about a partner that is family. This is not a sponsor. This is literally a partner. The Human Hope family is finally partnering with one of my favorite organizations, Thistle Farms. Now, listen, Thistle Farms, they're my neighbors here in Nashville, Tennessee. They provide housing, healing, and employment and empowerment to women survivors of trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. They're based right here in my hometown of Nashville, and they have a network of over 500 beds for women around the country through their sister organizations. I love the Thistle Farms Coffee Shop. I've been there many times. And the survivors they live completely free with custom healthcare and trauma therapy so that they can focus on their healing. Okay. So while they're in the program, they learn jobs and leadership skills, right? They they work in social enterprise, they make candles, bath products, and the money from the sales of all these products help cover the costs of these programs while the women build savings to restart their lives. Now, let me let you know. I love their candles. They're the candles that burn in my home nonstop. My wife, before they were a partner of the podcast, was burning herself some Thistle Farms candles. They smell incredible. Uh, and they have them in all kinds of gift boxes. And they make incredible gifts, especially come during this upcoming holiday season. So you can learn more about Thistle Farms and their incredible mission and all their products at thistlefarms.org. And they've created a special coupon code. I want everybody, if you're going to get yourself a candle, use this code. It's human hope, all one word. That will give you 15% off human hope. Make sure you guys head over to thistlefarms.org and use the coupon code human hope. That's good. And I w- I would love for you to, you know, and I'd love to shift the conversation for just a few more minutes um, to something that we, t- we talked about earlier and I talked about with you. Um, but our complicated past with. Our, our our complicated feelings with some of our past leaders right and past mm-hmm. uh presidents and you know you 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 say that you publicly declare on your accounts that you aren't the biggest fan of Andrew Jackson and <laughs> of 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 how he uh you know uh did his job and how he treated you know people um yet i live in I live in Tennessee, where where I mean, I'll be honest with you. Lots of people celebrate him, right? I mean, he is he is mm-hmm. a he is an actual he has his Hermitage c- there. C- celebrated her, I mean, exactly s- probably three and a half miles from my house is Andrew Jackson's Hermitage, and mm-hmm. um, he he is he he has this mystique about him in the South. Mm-hmm. Um, there's people that are listening to my podcast that are are hearing. Us talk about Andrew Jackson and some of the heinous things that that he had done, and oh well, wait a second, like so he's the one that started the Trail of Tears. Maybe that's like brand new that somebody didn't even know mm-hmm. that. How how can people begin to wrestle with some of these maybe conversations that are happening just in their own heads about well, maybe my relationship with uh, some of America's history and some of the um, darlings of America uh, is it now feels a little bit more complicated and and. Mm. I don't know if I want to. Maybe some people are like, I don't even know if I want to look at that because I don't know if I want to have to even go there. I guess what I want you to do is um, uh, maybe just push us a little bit on on what it looks like to maybe start having a little bit of a complicated relationship with with a with a country that you and I both love dearly. Mm, um, right? And, and, and so, how, how how can you have both things at one time?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think it starts with, first of all, um, it it is letting go of the idea that the past is some kind of fairy tale. Mm. The idea that America is not a fairy tale that needs to have you know like and they lived happily ever after George and Martha Washington you know what I mean yes. it's not a Disney movie yes it's not a Disney movie Um, as much as that I mean that'd be great if it yeah. was a Disney movie and it had a happy ending <laughs> thumbs up you know what I mean the bad guy falls off a cliff and they yep. live happily ever after right right um, it's not a Disney movie so we have to get used to the idea that it is going to be uncomfortable mm. and that that is the human experience Yeah, that it truly is the human experience, which is feeling uncomfortable with knowing things that happened, feeling mm-hmm. uncomfortable with where things are right now and assimilating that information into other things that you might know, you know, yeah. like Andrew Jackson was a self-made man. He was, he was a, you know, came yeah. from super humble means and he went to law school and he made all this money himself. And like America loves that. Right. America yeah. loves a self-made oh, man.
0: Self-made man.
1: Like, great. That's that's great. It's fantastic that he was a self-made man. More power to you. I have no issue with self-made men. Um, but then, yeah, he made all this money. He was in law school and he became this, you know, he was a prisoner of war during the Revolutionary War. Like he helped fight the British, et cetera, et cetera. And he made all this money. And then he bought himself 150 slaves. You know what I mean? Like with that you can money. actually yeah. with that money that he made, he bought himself 150 slaves. You can actually know both of those things. Uh-huh. It's not an an e- either Andrew Jackson is a good guy or a bad guy. Right. It's it's not an or it's an ant.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: He is this and that. Mm. Guess what? Chances are good. Um, You have lied to somebody in your life because mm. we all have, even if it's your mom. Right. Did you eat these cookies? No, that's a <laughs> lie. You know what I mean? Um, We have all lied in our lives. We have all done things that we look back and you're like, "Eh, I should not have done that. Yeah. I should not have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I wish I didn't. I mean, pick a, pick a topic. Um, It doesn't, it doesn't negate the good things we've done in our lives, Yep. but it's not either Carlos is, has done bad things or he's done good things. Mm. Carlos has done bad things and yes, good things. Yes. And the goal is, to do way more good things yes. than bad things. That's the goal, yes. so that the good so overshadows the bad that it is easy to look past some of those flaws and be like, "That was just a mistake. Mm. Everyone makes them." Yeah, right. It, that that's the goal. But some people. Maybe they were, you know, nice to an elderly grandma, but then the bad that they've done so overshadows the good that you can't help but cast them in the negative light of history. Yes. But, you know, Hitler is a great example of that, right? Like, I don't like to talk. I don't like to make all kinds of comparisons to Hitler, and I won't. I won't compare anybody to Hitler. But it's very clear that the bad has so outweighed the good that even if he was nice to an elderly woman on a street corner what we're looking at is this massive pileup of the, of the extermination of an entire ethnic group in his country or a large part of it you yes. know what i mean yes um so that's the that's the idea yeah. is that we have to look at the bad and the good yeah. to get a full picture of who a human being is if i read a biography of hitler that only talks about how nice he was to little old ladies mm-hmm. i am not getting a full picture of who he was
0: yes yes and and does, does does uh you you were you were a teacher was it a high school teacher Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. You, were, you were a high school teacher. Now you're a teacher of adults uh, on, on a daily basis <laughs> in the evenings on Zoom mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And mm-hmm. so how important is it uh, from a teacher perspective to make sure that students are getting a, a, a maybe a fuller picture of some of the darlings of America's past?
1: Mm. It's so important to me. That people are just taught on honest history. Let's yeah. just be honest.
0: Honest history. There, there's
1: no, there's no reason that we need to deify anyone because mm-hmm. nobody is God. Right. Right. Yeah. We don't, they don't have, should not have the place of deity in our country because they are mortal men. Yeah. And in order to be to have any kind of full understanding of what history is. You have to acknowledge the mortality of Thomas Jefferson, right? That he's a mortal man who, (laughs) yes, he might have a giant monument to him in Washington, D.C. Yes, he helped craft the Declaration of Independence. Yes, he was an incredible political philosopher. And yes, he also owned his wife's half-sister whose mother was enslaved by his mother's father. Yes. And he fathered children with Sally Hemings. He had slaves in the White House. It's ant. Yes, right. he did right. the, He wrote the Declaration of Independence. And yes, he also enslaved hundreds of humans. Yeah. It's ant. Yeah. There's no reason we can't just be honest about that. What are we trying to sweep under the rug? Here?
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Do you know what I mean? What is the point of sweeping it under the rug? Is it to incite a certain level of of nationalism Mm -hmm. in Americans that it's impossible for us to talk about what people have done in the past because it might make us hate America? Guess what? I have a very clear eyed understanding (laughs) of where America has come from, and I still love it. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't has not turned me into somebody who's like, America sucks. Yes. I hate America. Yes. I, I do what I do because I love America. Yeah. I absolutely do. And I don't think that we are doing ourselves, our children, any service yeah. by not telling the truth. Yes. Just be honest. We all know. We all know that lying is a sin, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's not right to lie. Right. It's not right to lie, and sometimes there are things that are that are, you know, sins of omission. Yeah. Like we we're just going to omit the fact that that happened? We're just going to omit the fact that the you know, like the vast majority of our early presidents enslaved people? Right. We're going to omit that? Is that a, is that a lie by omission? You know what I mean? I don't, I mean, like, I, this is obviously a topic that I get really fired up about that I care a lot about, about just like, let's just have an honest reckoning of where America has come from. Yes. Because we cannot have a clear picture of where we need to go until we have a clear picture of from whence we came.
0: Yes, absolutely. And having that clear picture of whence we came does not mean you hate America. No. I just, I Mm -hmm. I hear that so much. I just see people saying like, oh, they hate America because they're, you know, they're bringing this up. And I'm like, that in no way, shape or form means you hate America because you can Mm -mm. love this country while at the same time, knowing the truth about everything that has happened in this Mm -hmm. country.
1: Because it's and yes, it's I can understand that these people enslaved others. I can understand that Alexander Hamilton cheated on his wife. Right. I can understand that and still think Alexander Hamilton is fascinating. Yes. I can understand where America came from and still love it.
0: Yes. 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 I, you know, I, I, I use this all the time because, you know, people look, look at me, um, as as somebody that they trust in a voice on racial reconciliation and talking about racial division in the country. And so I tell people all the time, I can love what Martin Luther King Jr. did for Black people in this country while simultaneously knowing the truth of the fact that he wasn't a great husband, right? And no. and that that he had side women. And yeah. I know those two things. And those two things do not make me understand the importance of of who he was in our country and for me any less, but it also doesn't make him a deity. It also doesn't make him a God and allows me to be like, oh, that was a dude that did a lot of great things, but you know what? He did some things also that weren't that great and it is okay. That doesn't mean that I I am not grateful. hate Martin Luther yes, King. Yes. You don't hate him. I don't hate him, right? So, but, no. but it allows me to be both and when it comes to understanding him.
1: Mm hmm. And uh, you're right. It does not. The fact that he had women on the side and the FBI was trying to blackmail him and had a bunch of recordings of him with the women on the side. Like it doesn't negate the march on Washington.
0: Absolutely not. Nope.
1: Right. You can you can understand both of those things simultaneously. Yes,
0: you can. And that that's just so good. Humans
1: are. Humans are actually capable of incredibly complex thought, <laughs> right? But don't don't diminish your own intellect yes. by saying I can only understand simple things. Right? It's actually quite possible for you to understand complicated topics. Yes. Quite possible for you to understand that Martin Luther King did a lot for the civil rights movement, and he also cheated on his wife right. you can understand both of those things i promise you i promise that you can understand Yeah, you can understand thing. that
0: and so yes i love I that promise. don't don't dumb yourself down don't don't no. you know don't try to say that you can't feel and 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 view complicated issues and have an understanding of two things i, I just i love that because i feel like we're doing we, we do that way too often you know
1: and we also greatly underestimate our children's abilities yep. to understand complicated things. Absolutely, um, you know, just like the we we want to protect our children from anything that hurts. That is our, that's our inclination as parents. I fully share that inclination. It is actually gut wrenching to watch your child go through something painful, Yeah. right? Like your child has a fight with a friend or a fight with this boyfriend or girlfriend that actually really hurts you. Right. You really want to take it away. Like it really hurts. You don't want to see them suffer. Like you wish you could just take their pain
0: from them. Yeah.
1: Um, And and so we sometimes want to protect our children from uncomfortable truths. We want to sometimes protect our children from something that we think is going to hurt them or bother them in some way. And in reality, children are sometimes better at at understanding the complexities of like, I can feel multiple things at the same time. Kids are actually better at feeling multiple things at the same time. They're much less black and white about things than, um, than a lot of adults are. They can understand like the, you know, when somebody in your family dies and you tell your children, you know, like grandma died, your children will have a lot of feelings about that, Uh but they actually, they're quite capable of grasping the concept of death mm. and they're quite capable of grasping the idea that, um, grandma doesn't live here anymore. Right. She does, you know, like she's not alive anymore. And we want to pretend that like, we want to shield them from things that are hurtful or harmful. Yes. You know, like we don't want them to hurt about yes. the loss of somebody, but children actually, it actually helps them yes. move through that loss to Understand the full picture. How did Grandma die? Right. What What was the like? Where is she now? What is at a funeral home? Uh Like those questions that children have help them process. And our goal is to just sort of be there to help them process those feelings. But we cannot. It's actually more harmful to try to raise your children in a bubble. Yeah. Because the world has a lot of things that it is going (laughs) to throw at your children, and. I was talking to um do you know who Dr. Becky Kennedy is? Yes. Yes, she has an Instagram account called Good Inside and it's specifically related to parents. And she has this phrase that I think is so fantastic is do you want to protect your children or do you want to prepare
0: your children? Yes, that's good.
1: Do you want to prepare your children for life outside of the walls of your home? Uh-huh. You want to prepare your children to know what to look for in a dangerous situation on social media. You want to prepare your children for living in a multicultural multiracial society in which they can't walk around, um, having a bunch of false ideas about the founding of America, because that is not, you need to prepare them for being a full citizen of the United States.
0: Well, and, and I feel like in America, I mean, th- this feels like a very American thing. This this whole protection of uh, of our of our kids, <laughs> because as I travel, you know, I I see a lot of very strong, capable kids in Uganda or in India mm-hmm. that are being subjected to very awful things. And guess what? They still oh have they still have their childhood. They still have their child childlike mm-hmm. faith. They still have all these things. And. And our just kids are a lot stronger than I think. Sometimes we give them credit for. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. They understand the and yeah. part of the conversation. Yeah, in some ways, better than adults do.
0: Yes. No. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Friend, this has been so amazing. Thank you so much for uh, just allowing oh, me pleasure. to ask you maybe some hard questions, and and you, yeah, you 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 coming back and just being. To Sharon that we all love and you know I personally am just grateful for you as a friend um, and, and just Likewise. thanks for hanging out with us on Human Hope today it's
1: my pleasure thanks for having
0: me Lord have some mercy Sharon you are a gift to not only me but to planet earth I love you with everything inside of me I'm so grateful for our friendship but more than that I'm grateful for the trajectory of your life and how, yeah, you may have 800,000 followers on Instagram right now. you you about to have 8 million. I believe this is coming. I believe that you were created for such a time as this. And I'm just so grateful for who you are, my friend. Guys, that is it for episode 37 of the Human Hope Podcast. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me here in Montana or wherever it is that you guys are hanging out as well. And I look forward to seeing you guys again next week uh, on the Human Hope Podcast. But let me tell you something. Next week is our last podcast before we take one week off. That's right. For the very first time, the human hope podcast is taking a week off for the week of Thanksgiving, but we will be back the following week. But the way you don't miss any episodes is right now, wherever you are. Would you please subscribe, follow and uh, leave reviews on whatever podcast platform you guys listen to your podcast on. It is so, so helpful uh, when you guys do that. And if you wouldn't mind, Please share the podcast with your aunt, uncle, cousins, stepsisters, all the people, your dog, your cat. Let them all uh, know just how much hope is available at the touch of their finger here with all my friends that come. And uh, just let us know their version of what hope looks like in their lives today. Friends, we'll see you next week on another episode of Human.